Hello and welcome to the J Train Podcast. I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to see a beach. The water hitting the shores. You got a good little cocktail in your hand. It's frozen. It's pink. It's got a lime wedge in the side. Keep those eyes closed. I want you to take a sip. Drink it in. The J Train Podcast. That's what you're drinking. A nice, refreshing mix of your emails, your stories, your questions. And I want you to sway side to side. Whatever's going on in your life, I want you to let it go. Ease into the week or ease out of the week. We're taping ahead. I'm not sure when this is releasing. It's the J Train. You're riding on the train, you're riding on the train, it's the J-Train Podcast. We answer your emails, we tell you what to do, we empathize with your issues. It's the J-Train Podcast, every Monday. the station that we stop at for the commiseration the J train that's right Mondays and Thursdays your emails your stories your questions we're here every single week I got Shelby on the ones and twos a capacity virtual audience here they're wild and crazy per usual so good to be back. Shelby, how are you? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You look great. Hair Thanks. looks fantastic. Both long. you and I, a little long, but that's okay. Both you and I are freshly birthdayed. How was the birthday? How's everything? Great birthday. Pretty chill as uh, the pandemic, but, you know, can't. it was pretty good. As exciting as usual, Shelby, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that out of you. I, I'm telling you, listen... Another year, uh, another trip around the sun, another, you know, another, you know, uh, serving at the table. We did it. We, we've made it. We made it through a tough year, and I, I think we're, we're better for it, right? Another foot in the grave. That's right. <laughs> Shelby, you always keep us real here. Listen, very excited. Um, I have a stand-up special. It's out right now. It's out, right, Shelby? This will come out after that. It's out. It's out. I've seen it. I love it. Oh, my God. Shelby. Wow. It's unbelievable. Coming from you, that means a lot. It's all. It is taped on New Year's Eve. It is all material about 2020. That's not an easy thing to do. I don't think you guys mm-hmm. know this. Yeah. I don't, you know, people are just putting out 2020 specific material that they wrote since July. That's not how it goes. I'm not Louis C.K. here. Listen, this is a this is a tough feat 
I'm happy. It's 34 minutes. It's out there. It's fun. I want you to watch it. I want you to comment. YouTube is a gross, disgusting place with gross, disgusting people. So I need you fresh faces, you fun people to go hit the keyboard, hit a comment, like it, do all that good stuff. I'm doing live shows. I'm all over the place. Fort Lauderdale, Omaha, Nebraska, um, Naples, Florida. Get on JaredFree.com, JaredFree.com, and YouTube, YouTube land. Thank you for being here. I know you guys aren't the gross ones. You're the good ones. So I'm happy you guys are here. Um, very excited. Let's get to the guests, right, Shelby? Uh, let's hurry we'll up. call. He's n- new. Yeah, I better hurry up before the YouTubers come after me. He's new to the podcast, kind of at this version of it. So I don't know what tune to play because I think he's been on. But let's let's play. You know, I think he's. Let's call him a new guest because I'm excited he's in. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. A new guest. Oh fuck yeah. He's the host of the Ross Boland podcast. It is a mental health and humor podcast. It runs every Monday and Wednesday. Ross Boland, thank you for coming on. Dude, very excited to be here. That was one of the more thrilling, exciting, um, inspiring intros that I have ever been a part of. Uh, um, that, that means a lot. Uh, my nuts are fully feathered. I really yeah, appreciate it. Pieces of my face hurt. From from trying not to laugh while you were singing uh, the intro to your pod, especially holy shit, I I love I love singing a tune. It puts me in a better mood. Ross, you're here, and and people may know you because you were a uh, I, I don't know a central figure. You were a part of Total Frat Move. That's how we met. Sure, and everyone should go follow you on Twitter and Instagram at wrbolin. Uh, Ross is fantastic, and his podcast is great. I know we share some, you know, some, some, uh, you know, some, uh, some OKPs, original key players of this podcast. People that were, you know, when I was writing for, you know, doing some columns for TFM and doing the T. This used to be called the TFM podcast, and then we kind of had, in my eyes, it was an amicable breakup. Right, like total frat move was like we want to start more podcasts. We want to take the name, and I was like. Yeah, I'm doing kind of my own thing at this point. I'm out to sea doing this different type of show that has nothing to do with Total Frat Move. Right. This makes perfect sense. And then I kind of just went went on my own. So uh, you, you bye were bye. working there. Uh, yeah, ta-ta. And uh, what, do you, what have you been doing since? You're doing your own thing. You got your own podcast. Tell the people how you've been. Yeah, well, first I'll say that you, you definitely got out at the right time. All right. You you bought low and you sold high before the crash, uh, which is huge, Jared. That's what you want. Well, we don't want to besmirch. Ta-ta. Uh, we don't want to besmirch because uh, I, I, I won't. Uh, well, I, I, you might want to. I don't. I will say this. Whenever I, I did something with a blogosphere or whenever I did stuff with a company that had a following, my goal was put my stuff on their site kind of come here with my own six-pack under my arm, and whoever enjoyed my stories, I'd take them as my fan and kind of go on my way. That You know, I kind of had that attitude, and I think it was my perspective, and this might be like a bit of narcissism on my part, but who doesn't have narcissism? I was always felt like that, you know, that was my power is that I never worked for these places. I was just kind of doing my own thing in exchange for retweets and social media push. So I never really had to answer to anybody, which was kind of nice. Yeah. And you weren't reliant on, um, 
you know, me as an employee of the company, like I was obviously beholden to whatever the hell they decided they wanted to do. Whereas sure. you as, and I, I've been on both sides of that fence in the content game, having been doing this, you know, since uh, over 10 years now and, yeah. and getting to watch you really do your version of it in New York City. Um, it's cool because you see like, you know, unfortunate as the ending with Grand X was, and, and we can get into as much of that as you would like or not like to, but but essentially, you know, it was a startup, man. It was a startup yeah. run by two very young guys. I was their first ever employee, and we built it to like a 55-person company that was making millions and millions and millions of dollars. Unfortunately, nobody stopped along the way to see if anybody knew what they were actually doing. So it all came <laughs> crashing down, um, inevitably, as many startups do. <sighs> The crowd, the crowd here is touched. This is, yeah, it's yeah. a touching story, and um, and you know, from the ashes of that company, though, a lot of different content creators were able to like not get their start necessarily, but have a foothold for a place to have a career. And I mean, so we got to see guys like you, J Train, and like uh, Jimmy Tatro is a really good example. Um, sure, dudes that came through, did content with us, and that that were able to utilize the, the at one point very powerful and cool platform that we had built that unfortunately fell to uh, to shit. But at that point, man, like we had a good thing going and it was unfortunate to see it go down the way it did. But yeah, you you know, the position you were in allowed you you just keep rolling, baby. You didn't well, have to worry that, about that shit. Well, the thing is, like I, I, I kind of always kept my eye on what was going on with TFM and Grand X. And then, you know, I don't. I never wish bad. I'm just like, oh, I hope that place, you know, turns into whatever it turns into. Um, but when you, I mean, as you said, that's the thing. Like, these are startups. Yeah. These are companies. These are places where you, you know, especially in business, you have to be like, okay, what's the next thing? Like, I don't see myself yelling at The Bachelor forever. Right. Like, I, you know, like, I don't like, and I know people enjoy that, but like, my hope is that as I grow up and my comedy grows up, the audience, yeah, listen, it'll, I'm still doing it now, don't worry. Um, as I grow up and as the audience grows up, I'll be talking about different things. Like, I, you know, when I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Jared Freed, three extra podcasts a week for $5 a month, Patreon podcasts are way more me even than this podcast more like personal. I love way more personal you're totally right so it's it's this idea of like evolving turning the patreon maybe into the j train or taking maybe doing a little less dating advice and a little more lifestyle advice you know these are things that i'm always thinking about and i'm sure you're there too when you left grand x or, or you were like i'm in the podcast game what was the the kind of the next step for you. So the weird wrinkle in there for me was like, everybody knows um, Total Frat Move as the frat brand, you know, the drunken yeah. comedy and fucking brand. That was essentially, it was college humor, um, but an sure. updated version of it, right? And and that was great, but what it enabled us to do was that was the big property. That was the millions and millions and millions yeah. of page views and, and downloads and like everybody in the social media following. But we were able to, to market our other things we did through those social medias. So what I ended up doing, the thing that really enabled me to have the career I have now, is I started a Game of Thrones podcast while I was still at Grand X. Yes, we used, I remember. We used the TFM brand to blow it up. It became literally the biggest Game of Thrones podcast in the world during the final season. And that Love came it. with it millions and millions of, of listeners and like a familiarity with me on a level that allowed me to spin off and do my own thing after the fact. But it's interesting you said, you know, when I was at TFM, man, after about a year, I was like, same place as you. I was like, 
I don't plan on doing frat and boner jokes forever. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I knew that was my place right then and to build from it and that I needed to utilize the resources at my disposal much like you did. But but that's kind of how it goes for comics, for content creators in general, right? We, You can't do the same bit forever. You got to find a new bit, a new shtick, a new version of you. Totally agree. And you have to find, you know, also you have to be you have to be the the ship. You can't just be riding on someone else's ship forever. Yes, because that and, gets very difficult because you're not steering and they can exactly. run it into the rocks, which it turns out <laughs> is not a lot of fun. Yeah, and and I mean, I remember you starting the Game of Thrones podcast and I, you know, that was ahead of its time even then because, you know, the idea of having a TV show specific podcast like I'm host co-hosting the Bachelor right now and doing right. a Bachelor specific podcast. Like that was way ahead, and it's like, but but you were doing kind of a, a a similar thing to me, where it's like, hey, I'm doing this Game of Thrones thing. We are finding another algorithm that can find new and different people, and I'm kind of doing that with the stand-up special. Like, listen, I have friends who have put out stand-up specials and they've gotten millions of hits. And I'm looking for that stand-up crowd to kind of come to me where I'm dealing with maybe a different crowd that knows me for putting out, you know, Bachelor stuff. You know, right. so it's like you're trying to find a whole new algorithm to ski down the, you know, the slopes with that one. And, and so it's all very much related and very positive and fun, but it's almost, um, you know, you, you, you become like an audience pirate. You're just going to try and raid, you know, different algorithms at that point. It really is like the the internet content game um, is so weird on that front that like you know I mean that's why that's why guys like you and me go do each other's shows and like why yeah. guys like you you find an outlet like um, back in the day like Bro Bible or TFM or Barstool totally. Sports or wherever so that you can get your work out there so that people in that larger audience can discover you and become fans like you said and and that's sort of the game man it really is on on one level that is the game it's like going and getting yourself out there as much as you can as often as possible so that you can collect more and more people who are there for your content specifically right and and to your point about the ship thing man you really you only get so many years in this before you have to go off on your own and you have to yeah. do it like just you um because of what you spoke to it it's really it gets incredibly uh, unreliable. I'll just put it that way. If you're always relying on somebody else to make sure that their moves are correct or yours are fucked, then then that's hard as a creative. Dude, I, I totally understand. And it's, it's interesting because I remember, you know, you and I always had good interactions. It was always easy to work with you. I think in that blog world, it, it's a little bit tough to work with some people because it becomes, it's a bunch of like, you know, to me, and what I've noticed with people who write online and like I always had stand up. So like I always had this thing where I was failing on a nightly basis. Right. And I I always had this like this audience member sitting with their arms crossed like with like not funny and you've wasted my money look on their face. Like I think that that's something that like as a not humble person myself, that is something that humbles you. And I remember like when you deal with people that live in the blogosphere in the content creation world, there are fans and there are trolls. Oh yeah. There is no such thing as a good critique to a blog person. There is no such thing. They're either a fan and they're right or they're a troll and they're the worst human being alive. And it's like, 
I think I, I feel lucky for stand-up because I remember when I would write things and people go, I don't get it. I go, all right, maybe you don't get it. I could be wrong here. You know, like it, it opened me up. And I think that's something when you take it, in, when you go into your own world, when you start doing the J Train podcast instead of the TFM podcast, you're like, okay, this is a good thing to have because I have to be my own editor a little bit. Yep, you need that compass. And and I'll tell you, man, that was one of the benefits for me of if you want some silver linings from the whole TFM experience and being like really what, what could arguably be the most toxic, toxically uh, masculine audience in the history of the internet. <laughs> it was so much worse than Barstool. Like people don't understand, but we had... Yeah. Uh, Jerry, do you remember Lindsay Pelias? You know, she dated uh, Dan Bilzerian... Um, Oh, just insanely good. large breasts. I don't know how else okay. to put it. Okay. Uh, at one point, she came and did a Snapchat takeover for us at TFM. And this is the woman, again, she was famous for dating Dan Bilzerian at this point. She had not really developed a career outside of the fact that she had been on Dan Bilzerian's Instagram a couple times. Got so it. She came through and did a Snapchat takeover, and she told us that it was point blank the most disgusting and toxic audience she had ever dealt with, and that hey. she would never come back to TFM. Dudes rock! <laughs> and it was I mean so like it was an impressively shitty group of people yeah like an impressively I rem- I remember, shitty group well that was the thing for me is like I remember I'm writing on bro bible and I'm looking you know to find more eyes and I started writing some columns for total frat move and I remember being like okay the comments section is just not great <laughs> it was like, awful it, bro it, it, but it but it to me and this is the this is the tough part about finding an audience online is like at least they're engaged yes i was like so the people and so i i do believe this about putting things out there putting out comedy is like if you get it then you love it if you don't you're never i'm never going to convince you like i say this with like People watch my live screams for The Bachelor and then they don't follow. And I write back to the, sometimes I'll write back to people, I'll be like, you forgot to follow. Like, that's, you know, to me, that's what, if you're enjoying this, follow the account. And they're like, and, and they'll write back, well, what, are you going to follow back? And I'm like, you don't get the economy here. I can't force you to get the economy. So I block them. I just go, I'm not going to sit here and explain it. And it, a lot of that came with like the, you know, the spew and the vial that comes yep. with Total Frat Move that you're like, okay, I wrote something very thoughtful about dating and relationships. And then you just see one guy write something like gay and, and you get a thousand likes. And I'd be like, all right, that guy's garbage and needs to be. But it, it, that's not what I'm here to entertain. Ours was like another level, though. Like, there's the dude that just puts gay and like, that's regular trolling. That's where I'm like, all right. Thanks for the interaction. I don't need to take anything positive or negative from this. But then there's a dude Mm. who would be like, he would spend time telling you exactly how shitty what you wrote was. (laughs) And and that dude was there every day, bro. So it like, eventually I figured out, this is what what you got from from doing stand-up, what most comedians get from stand-up that weirdly is now a thing I got from the internet is... That thick skin you have to grow, right? Yeah. To do content, you have to have thick skin. To do comedy, to do, to live your life on the internet, really, you have to have thick skin. And and comedians get that from stand up and from sitting there with a real human being two feet away from them with that look on their face that says you wasted my money and my time. Yeah. Where I never got that. I'm not. I don't do stand up. It's not my realm. Um. I've just been an internet fuck and and. You got to get a lot of those comments before you get the same effect as you get from watching that person point blank, man. 
Because some of them are just so ridiculous. You're like, I can't believe you. Like, like I, is I this can't... really a, criti- a criticism of my work, or are you just the angriest Nazi in the world? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, listen, I'm pumped to have you on here. Uh, everyone go follow Ross Bolin. The Ross Bolin Podcast, Monday and Wednesday, at WR Bolin. Go, go, go. Follow Twitter and Instagram. Now, explain the podcast. You call it a mental health and humor show. Yeah. What got you into the mental health game? What, what you know, uh, this is on subject with dealing with trolls that make you look inside your own soul 7,000 times a day. <laughs> what gets you into the mental health game before we get to the emails? And we are going to do the emails. JTrainPodcast.com. Of course. Like, um, I, very quickly, my story is, is simple. It's, it's when I turned 21, uh, I had a panic attack. All right. Like that, mm. that day I had a, I'd never experienced a panic attack. I didn't know anybody who had panic attacks. And on my 21st birthday, I was sitting at a bar. I was about halfway through a beer and I lost feeling in my hands and feet and had a full blown panic attack. And, and for anybody who's unfamiliar with mental health and anxiety, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to bear with me here. Uh, essentially, I felt like I was dying and I thought I needed to be hospitalized and I was going to pass out. And this went on for days and days. And long story short, I had thousands of these panic attacks over the next decade. Oh um, my God. Yeah. I quit drinking. A little over three years ago, I quit drinking alcohol finally because I this it was very tied to my mental health. I was having okay. panic attacks way more frequently when I was hungover than any other time, like a thousand percent more listen, often. Listen, man, I, I had my first one this past year. Yeah. And I had it on a plane while hungover. Yep. And I thought I couldn't fly because I thought I couldn't get enough oxygen. I was waking up hungover, drinking coffee which is like the worst thing you can do, I found out. Yes. And I was like jumping on a plane, changing my oxygen level, and then going, am I dying for like a second, then going, oh my God, I'm fucking dying. And then I would eat like a thousand uh, Biscoffs. Like the bit, I I thought Biscoffs was saving my life. (laughs) Dude, weirdly enough, like getting, um, like I'll chew on ice cubes sometimes. It's like something mm. about getting your brain to interact with anything else is helpful when you're having one of those attacks. But so after so many of them, and I mean, I had I had broken through into the podcast game through the Game of Thrones shit, and I had started doing my own show because it, it became pretty apparent the company I was working at was in deep shit. And I needed the Ross Boland podcast just like you needed J-Train. You needed Absolutely. your own brand, right? So when I was deciding what that was going to be, man, at first I was like, I'm just going to do comedy. But then it, there wasn't a differentiator for me. There was nothing to make me different like you have your bachelor and bachelorette content. There was nothing mm-hmm. that was a specific angle for me that fit and made it my show. And then that was the easy conclusion I came to was, look, more than ever, especially now after 2020, my show's been around a few years. But la- last year I was like, oh, this is easy. Like, Marketing yeah. marketing just became easier. Thank you for the one silver lining of the pandemic is now that millions and millions <laughs> and millions and millions of more people have experienced their first bout with anxiety, with panic attacks, with yeah. depression. And that's what I wanted the show to be, a place for people to go and talk about these things and learn about them from someone who's not a fucking doctor who's going to try to use a bunch of big words to make them feel stupid. Like th- someone that's actually experiencing it and going through it. And so I sh- my, my show is about sharing th- the struggles of life and mixing them with comedy. And that's basically well, it. I love that because I always say that about like some, I, I, when I would tell people, yeah, we give advice, you know, a lot, you know, if someone, you know, hated me right away, they'd be like, what that, what do you know? And I'd right. be like, well, this is not a, I, I don't know anything. That's kind of the power of the show. It's just people commiserating 
understanding that like, hey, I've been there. Hey, here's a situation I went through something similar. Yes. Hey, you've done a breakup. I mean, we're going to get into it, but I th- I love that type of perspective because I think people are calm by that. I think no, people you're... are genuinely like just to hear someone else be open and also empathetic because I think a lot of these things are hard to like come out to people with. Dude, you hit you hit it on the head with 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 what you do in the relationship side of things. It's like, look man, we've all read Cosmo. We've all heard the yeah. different Dr. Phil sides of this shit. Like, I want to hear a regular funny dude tell me about his experiences in the dating world. And and the piece of it that's that's that makes it even better is that you're real about it, right? You're telling your real emotions honest, and stories and feelings. Be vulnerable, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's what takes it to a whole other level. So it's like, it's just the exact same. Instead of relationships, mental health was more my angle. Um, and it's just been like, it's just one of those things where it, kind of worked out i wasn't so much a conscious decision as it just sort of fucking happened love it love it and plus you got a great voice i gotta say ross i i i think i knew this about you but you got a voice for radio and i don't mean that in the you're a good looking dude but this is like uh this is a you got a silky smooth voice my man yeah i smoked like seventy thousand cigarettes to get here but we got there (laughs) we got there eventually and then i quit the cigarettes and i'm just waiting for the cancer to show up there we go. On the positive side, let's start the emails. Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. Go, go, go. The Ross Bolin Podcast. You're going to love it. At WR Bolin, an old friend of the show. The J Train Podcast is brought to you by Nutrafol. Ladies, I know you don't think it will happen to you, but some of you are losing your hair and you don't even know it. 30 million women experience weakened or thinning hair, but thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. Nutrafol is a physician formulated to be 100% drug free. They use natural, clinically effective botanicals it works by targeting the five root causes of thinning stress hormones environment nutrition and metabolism it's easy to get help visit nutrifull.com take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations when you subscribe you'll receive monthly deliveries so you never miss a dose that's great that's great. Customization's great. You go on their website, you take that quiz. I love that. And obviously, you know, hair loss is something that's very personal to people. If it's on your mind, just going through this process, I'm sure could be helpful. Does it work? Yes. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 1,500 top doctors recommend it. As Nutrafol's powerful ingredients bring your body back into balance, you may also notice improvements to your overall well-being, including more restful sleep, less stress, and better skin, nails, and libido. You can grow thicker, healthier hair, and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com using promo code JTRAIN, 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 and new customers will get 20, 20, 20% off. This is their best offer available anywhere, plus free shipping on every order. Get 20% off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code JTRAIN, stand up for your strands, and get Nutrafol. The J Train Podcast is brought to you by Rothy's. Rothy's, comfortable, washable, and sustainable shoes make getting dressed easy. Rothy's best-selling shoe, the Point in Black, has over 3,000 near-perfect reviews. Let me just tell you this right now. My mom has had these shoes for a while. She 
probably has millions of shoes and these are the ones she wears the most because they're that in-between shoe. It's not your, you know, your heels where you're going out glam, but it ain't your slip slips. It's something to get you from point A to point B and she loves them because they just look right for all kind of events and scenarios. Rothy's come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, patterns, and a range of styles. Rothy's shoes are seamlessly knit with thread made from plastic water bottles, so they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on. That's right. There's zero break-in period. Wow, that's, that's huge. Putting on a new pair of shoes, you're like, ugh, there's a month, and then I like them, and then they're already dirty, and then it's gone. Yeah, no, this is what, so Rothy's right out of the box, you're ready to go. CNN says Rothy's are the comfiest slip-on shoes I've ever owned, period. And Julie J says they're her favorite shoes of all time. Plus, Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns on eligible items. Wow. Rothy's has transformed over 70 million bottles into beautiful shoes, handbags, and face masks. That's huge. Because now you can feel good about what you're putting on your body. Another major bonus, Rothy's are fully machine washable. That's huge. That's the thing my mom loves they look brand new all the time every time they need a refresh you can simply toss them in the washing machine check out all the amazing shoes bags and masks available right now at rothys.com slash jtrain that's rothys.com r-o-t-h-y-s.com slash jtrain style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites head to rothys.com slash jtrain today four months in not sure what to do next you ready yes sir J-Train, esteemed guest in Shelby, he's here, baby. Hello. <laughs> I have written into your podcast before. Come back to you now for more sage advice. Please help a sister out. I've been dating a guy since October 2020 after meeting on Bumble. He moved to my city in August for his job, initially moved into his sister and brother-in-law's furnished basement while he waited to see if he liked his job the town enough to stay Welp, it's been four months of dating and almost seven months as his sister's basement roomie and he's showing no signs of wanting to move out and get his own place for context he's 35 i'm 34 my town is a college town and in the five years i've been here the dating scene has been rough here's the first guy i've met who actually seemed normal and has treated me really well we have a lot in common and have fun when we are together but his lack of motivation to find his own place is starting to on me. Additionally, he's from the East Coast originally and has told me he is not happy with his job and hates the weather here and maybe I should just move home, quote unquote. This is a alarming because A, snow is way worse than rain. B, wanting to move back home makes it seem like our relationship is nothing more than a passing moment in time for him. Or I'm just his current companion during COVID since you can't exactly go out and meet new friends right now. I feel like he's not considering my feelings if he decides to just leave it all and move back home. Is four months too soon to ask a guy you're dating about his commitment level? I've, I've never been good at broaching the subject before. And I'm afraid I'll get too emotional, i.e. cry, and not be able to speak my mind in a thoughtful manner. Help. It's always rainy in Oregon. So this is a this is a great email. I think it's very interesting. Lot of little lot of little nooks and crannies that are twenty twenty specific. Ross Boland, what do you think? Uh yeah, look, this is one we hear a lot, right? Like you hear about people who have uh it's usually this way, where it's a chick with a boyfriend that she's like Look at the this, rain. We're this here. This dude yeah. <laughs> is refusing to do anything with his life. Yeah. Like, I, I, I like him a lot, or I even in some cases I love him or whatever, but he's not getting off his ass, finding a job. He's become sort of this deadbeat, um, you know, piece of crap that just floats along next to me. 
And uh, that's a Dude, tough situation because sometimes it's because <laughs> sometimes it's uh, it's situational. Sometimes it's based on somebody being laid off or going through some personal shit. It's circumstantial because if if it's somebody just making excuses, it's just sitting there mooching. If it's a mooching situation, yeah, then you, and, then and, you're and, in trouble. And I'm with you. This is like an emotional mooch. Yeah, you know, he, this guy is like, oh, I got I got the apartment that's real cheap. Like, to him, life is kind of okay right now because there's no stress on, like, I'm in this new town, I'm in this basement apartment, fully furnished, I'm pretty comfy. He's comfy. He's comfy emotionally, he's comfy physically. And then he, I do think, though, and I think there's something to be said. She's like, is four months too soon to ask the guy you're dating about his commitment level? There is no such thing as too soon to let someone know how you're being made to feel. So, like, in this situation, she wrote some very specific things. He said, quote, unquote, maybe I should just move home. The idea that a guy you're seeing says that to you without knowing what it's, quote, unquote, saying to you, the, you know, the the subtext, that's crazy, right? Wouldn't you know what you're saying to a woman you've been seeing? Uh, yeah, you never, like, I've had a lot of those, man. I'm, look, I got divorced uh, at the beginning of 2020, all right? You so, did? Like, this is the furthest I've ever gone in, in, in terms of uh, my ability to speak on relationships. Wait and a that, minute. So I knew you were in a, you were, I knew yeah, you were married. I was married for, uh, for like four years, man. Um, okay. And then and this right is pre-pandemic. Before, right before it. I'm talking literally into 2019. Okay. My wife left me. And, uh... And then I I'm went in. Sorry. Into, oh, thank fucking God, dude. If she had stayed and then I'd gone into 2020, we'd both be dead. <laughs> but it was it was a weird situation because I went into the 2020 and the pandemic and the COVID single for the first time in nine years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, which I got to tell you was just the best. It was a really fun experience. <laughs> and I got, no, I got really lucky, man. I met a I met a wonderful woman that I'm now dating. But point back to back to what you were saying. Um, you know when you feel like. If somebody you're in a dating relationship with says some shit to you that makes you feel awful because of the subtext and they clearly don't get it or don't care, that is a huge red flag, like yeah. a massive one. Because he's saying it to send a message without having to deal with the payment on the message. Like, he's he's going, oh, I get to send a free message to her. It's it's like, and and now she's sitting here being like, well, it has been four months. I shouldn't say. I think she has to say something. I think she has to say something in terms of not. And I think it's less. You're not motivated. You're in your sister's. I think like attacking is not the way to go. Right. If yeah, you, you know, go, you, you really never want uh, the person you're in a relationship with to feel attacked because when people get defensive, they fuck up. Yeah, and it's it's more. Hey. I am dating you seriously. I feel so amazing to have met someone in this college town. I think you treat me really well. But when you say, maybe I'll move home, I feel very much not a part of those life decisions. Right. If you're not making, I am making, and it's like, it's hard at four months to be like, I'm making decisions with you in mind, but that's the truth. You're 34, he's 35. Why wouldn't you be making decisions with them in mind? Yeah, and that, that piece of dating is tough too, man, because we all have what you just spoke to, that sort of like calendar in our heads of 
how many months in are we and where should we be based on that how many months. Sure. And a lot of those ideas are from fucking Disney movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah, that's yeah. that's not reality. And, and I think that's the way you just put it. It's like deal in reality. Deal yes. in reality. Don't ask yourself these questions about hypotheticals or what other people will fucking think. It's like, is this a situation? Do you have a feeling as a result of it? Now express that shit to your partner before it gets worse. Yeah, and you're going to cry. You're going to be upset. It doesn't sound like this guy is taking... You Also, there has to be someone that like takes the curtains on a relationship and draws them back. He's looking to sit there, do the play, where you're like, yeah, we're in the basement hanging out. Fun night, having movie night. And you're like, yeah, we got to see how this... I got to see the pulleys. I got to make sure they're all working because... I need them to work a year from now. J Train Podcast at gmail.com. J Train Podcast at gmail.com here with Ross Bolin. Ross Bolin Podcast, Mondays and Thursdays. Go, go, go. Go check it out. What is this dude's deal? Okay, you ready? Yes. I met a guy on Bumble last March. We so when did you get with your girlfriend? You're now girlfriend. And and when your wife you said your wife left you. Yeah, yeah. Is it like out of a movie? I'm gone, and she just leaves. How does that happen? Um, Did you see it coming? Did you do you feel? I mean, how do you feel about that? I, I as a young man, you're yeah. What you're 35, 33, 33. You're 33. Yeah. I I mean, again, you're the, you're in the South, so like nine years in a in a relationship to some that like to me at 33, it's like. I'm like, that's that's a different timeline than I'm sitting with. Yeah, especially after you sit in the, the marriage time zone for a few years and, like, you think you're done, right? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. You, like, you get – it was I was one of those people where I got married and I was like, oh, I've done it, the finish line. But really, yeah. marriage, that's, like, the starting pistol. Um, then you have to build a marriage. And that part, it turns out – it's pretty fucking difficult. So, <laughs> long story short, uh, uh, the understatement of the of the century. Marriage yeah. is kind of hard. Yeah. Okay. Long story short, I, well, I didn't I didn't take that seriously enough either. Like we all know that, right? But like it was one of those things where I was cocky about it. I was like, oh yeah, marriage is hard for regular stupid people. I'll be fine. Mm. And yeah. and that wasn't the case at all. Um, it's it's incredibly hard. It's a, it's a, it's difficult, man. It's life is fucking hard all around, and marriage is the one of the most complicated relationships you can enter into with another human so of course it's very very difficult but i got i got the more you know several several months into like the healing process um i finally got to a place where i was starting to lose my mind because Mm. 2020 shut all of our social lives completely off right so i was just sitting in my house that i used to live in with my wife losing my fucking mind yeah and then i got to a place where i was like i think i could handle meeting a, a girl like meeting just to like have a conversation with a, a member of the opposite sure. sex. And, you know, I got lucky where a friend of mine, I had hit up people being like, I want to meet new people in Austin. It could be dudes for friendship or whatever, like, but I want to get coffee with new people. I got hooked up on a coffee date with this girl who our circumstances were very um, similar. Like she had been through a divorce. Mm. She had empathy and understanding for a lot of what I had been through. There was sort of, we had that like immediate connection that you look for with people, right? You always want that like, you want a chemistry or a spark or whatever, something of to work course. with. But then it was more of what we've been able to build off of through like since then with in terms of, I've just never really met anybody where I could soak up knowledge like this, where I felt like they were passing me wisdom and shit that made me better at life 
on a, on a regular basis. So I Man, got lucky. Th- there is someone listening being like, I want wisdom and knowledge. Like someone is loving the way you're telling this story. You've either been coached up really well by this new woman or you are just know exactly what you're doing because – that this is what everyone wants to hear about themselves. But right? look, man, it it really it is like it's one of those things where it took the worst thing possible happening to me before mm. I could figure this out. So I had to go through the divorce and and legitimately, I mean, it like look, I can sit here and laugh at it now because of who I am and what I do for a living. You're on but the this other was, side too. Yeah, yeah. yeah this know? was this was every day for months and months and months on the floor crying. Like, this right. was not like, I didn't wake up the next day, like, do some cocaine, go out, shotgun a beer, and start fucking strippers, which I think is what yeah. people like to imagine dudes do when their wives leave. I, I think I think a lot of people think that's, like, the guy's goal, too. Right. Like, when they get out of a, I think, like, I, and this has happened when you end a relationship, so you, you're trying to date other people, like, that's, like, kind of like the post-crying question a lot of guys get asked. It's like, no, I'm, I'm going to be hurt by this, too. I'm going to feel a little bit of pain as well. Yeah, it's uh, it was a weird spot that I've never been there before. Like I've never been in that in such a br- broken place where because you're the thing with marriage is it puts you on an on a track, mm. or at least you believe you're on a track, right? What's gonna happen next after you get married? You're probably gonna have kids. Sure. Then your kids are gonna go to college. Then they're gonna, and then you're gonna retire, and then you're gonna die or whatever. I don't know. That was the short version of it. Sure. That shit doesn't go the way you plan, man. Life doesn't work like that. And yeah. uh, you got to adapt. And, and, and really, my biggest relationship piece of advice since we're here doing it was like, if you leave a relationship and you learn from it, you've succeeded. If yeah. you leave and you get better, you've done the thing you needed to do. But too many times people leave a relationship and, and they don't take away what they were supposed to. They don't look back and analyze it like they were supposed to, which is obviously not the case with most of your listeners as they write you emails asking questions. Listen, they're, they're trying to get through it. Let's do another one. Podcast at gmail.com. What is this dude's deal? Met a guy in Bumble last March. We hung out for a month and a bit. Uh, um, we hung out for a month and a bit. Then it fizzled out. He started hitting me up again uh, a couple months later, and we started hanging out and sleeping together consistently, at least three times a week, for the next three and a half ish months. Fast forward to a party we were together, and I found out from another female there who is friends with a neighbor that he has multiple other women over when I'm not around. Boy, this guy's sex drive is crazy. He's having sex with her three times a week, and then he has multiple other women. Must be nice. Wow, play the dude's rule. Rock. Yeah. So, so uh, once that news got out, I started finding similar things out from other mutual friends. We never had the exclusivity talk, but I guess after that much time together and the way he acted towards me around his friends and neighbors, I had no reason to think we're not. That's a very normal thing. I know this person's writing in, and I, I, they're probably very hurt. And they're like, well, we didn't have the talk. That, that's bullshit. That is one of those. You, there's fine print in the contract you guys are. There's something called a nonverbal contract. Right. When you're with someone three and a half months, you kind of expect that that person is with you more than not with you. Right. right? No, you absolutely. Like you said, unspoken, man. You don't, you know, you don't. You don't sit down and break that out necessarily, and you don't want to have to, right? You want to well, have that understanding with each other. Totally, and 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 there's a very common theme where it's like women that write in here hate vague relationships, and men love vague relationships. So a lot of times, women will let men off the hook because they're like, "Well, we have," because in their world, 
they're going, well, we're not an exclusive. We're not in that bucket, so how could I hold him to that? But the guy is living in the vague world where he is basically gaining off of the assumption that because you the, the the assumptions that you're willing to make are the things you're not willing to say and this is this guy's capitalizing off it. Yeah. We got in a, we got in a huge fight and it blew up. Fast forward another couple of months and he reached out with a genuine apology. Said he missed having me in his life and hope we could be friends. We hung out a few times and surprise surprise things get physical again. After spending a few days together and having three sleepovers in a row, I get a text saying he would stop being physical as not to ruin the friendship. I agree, and we start hanging out in group situations again. The last time he texted me over there, uh, over there with other friends, he was hitting on me in front of everyone. Asked if I wanted a back rub, uh, saying eventually he wants to end up with me and date me, and calling me multiple times to get there to hang. When I was later, uh, when I was later than I said I would be. Later in the night, he's, he is on the phone in front of everyone, clearly with a female, saying things like, I told you I was hanging out with some friends tonight. Maybe you can come over later. I asked him if he wanted us to leave, and he said yes. The next day, I wake up to a missed call and a text saying I was really drunk last night, LOL. What gives with this entire situation? Am I being strung along as a backup, or is he actually keeping me around until he's ready to settle down? Why say he wants to be my friend, then act like he wants more in front of other people? I feel like the answer is to just move, remove him from off of everything and ignore him and move on. Yeah, that's going to be the answer. Uh, we don't have too many mutual friends, so I could easily avoid situations where we would both be there, uh, be there for the most part. I feel like I now I, I know this is the answer, but curious as your input. Thank you, and sorry for the long ass email. So, what do you think, Ross Boland? Yeah, she hit that on the head. That's like, look, you're looking yeah, you at a dude, away from this dude. Too often, guy. Uh, first of all. You just read the first few sentences of the email, and you're like, "God damn, she's giving him a lot of wiggle room." That's a. Yeah. If the shoe was on the other foot, I mean, would you expect that gentleman to give you the benefit of the doubt the way you're giving it to him? Fuck no. Um, it's just that's a it's, great that's a great way to put it. If we can stop on that for a second, because you know, reverse the situation. You know, um, like you're you decide ah we'll have sex for a while ah he keeps approaching you let's be together and then you're at a party talking to another guy while he's sitting there being like uh what's our deal like you wouldn't he wouldn't do that for you yeah it's it's one of those things where when you put yeah, not gonna happen <laughs> when you put the shoe on the other foot it it and you get some perspective on the situation you realize you've been letting this dude walk all over you but in this case it sounds like and this is often the case Dudes will like somebody. You know, this happens with women too, I'm sure. You like somebody, you have feelings for them or sexual attraction, but you don't know what you want or you're not ready or you're just kind of figuring it out still. So you try to string them along or fucking put yourself in a situation where maybe if I figure it out or they figure it out or this or that, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, and once he's given you enough of those signals to let you know that he's that lost, just let him go. He's, he's kind of treating her like she's alcohol and he's a, an alcoholic. Like he's like, you know, when they get a, when when she gets away from him, he's like, oh, we we can't we can't do this anymore. Let's just be friends. I'll just have a couple drinks. I'll just be I'll take a sip of alcohol. We'll just have like a couple texts back and forth. Then she's around and the party starts amping up and he's like, I got to get fucking drunk. on you. <laughs> And it's like it's never. And, and she's just, you know, listen, she she keeps going back. I'm not going to like say that she has to be an active participant in this she has to be willing to lose this person because it's right now she's like 
Well, if I just hang out in the in the exact way he's asked me to hang out, will he do what I want him to do? No. He's yeah. never going to do it. Look, this happens to men too. Um it's it's a thing that it you don't it's like, you know, you don't realize it's happening when it's happening. It's kind of like joining a cult. Yeah. You don't do it on purpose, but then all of a sudden you realize holy shit, I'm in a cult. Yeah, this is that, and and the the point is, you've you've hit the point where you need to stand up for yourself, and you're realizing there's a problem. Now do it. That's the thing that's important. Is that when you realize you're being taken advantage of, or that somebody's kind of giving you the runaround, that you say something. Because if you just continue to allow it to happen, like it's kind of you're a part of the problem at that point. The J Train Podcast is brought to you by Movement Watches. In a tiny apartment in Southern California, two college dropouts teamed up to create a watch company that broke all the rules. With fair prices, unexpected colors, and clean, original designs, Movement grew into one of the fastest-growing watch brands, shipping to over 160 countries across the globe. Now they've expanded to blue light glasses that protect your eyes from screens. I have these. I love them. They, I, I'm... I actually have noticed I'm sleeping better. My eyes aren't as worn out. You know that worn out feeling from looking at a screen all day? Because I go from screen to screen to screen. I go from computer to TV to phone, computer to TV to phone. It never ends. So these light blue light glasses have been really amazing. They sent me the Pacific Mist watch um, also. I love their watches movement because... They don't look like that clunky, I'm trying to show off look. They look clean, smart, sophisticated. They go with anything. Like I I like their watch. And it's designed with a 100-meter water rating, a rotating bezel, and surgical grade 316-liter stainless steel for optimal performance featuring brush, gunmetal blue, and gray dial accents. This is a sexy watch. I Listen, all of that noise I just said, it's a good-looking watch. That's it. And it doesn't, it, there's nothing worse than the watch that looks like the person's like letting everyone in the room know, hey, everybody, I'm Mr. Watch Guy. No, these movement watches are nice, subtle, sophisticated. They have the look and quality of a $400 to $500 watch, but you're paying uh, that, you, that you pay at a department store, but cost a fraction of the price because they were built online and own the process from start to finish. That's, again, taking out the middleman. Going straight to consumer, just like this podcast. You get a beautiful watch shipped right to your door for free, and if you don't love it, you can ship it right back for free. So free shipping. That's amazing. Plus returns. I've got I've, I got to spend all day in front of my computer, and my Everscroll blue light filtering glasses are a game changer. It really helps with eye strain and poor sleeping patterns, and I love the modern style of the frames. Yeah, I've never gotten to wear glasses before, so I love how they look, and I love that I have an excuse to wear them. But my eyes do feel better. I can go to bed at night not feeling like I have that worn out you know screen watching eyes so listen let's go 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 on movement because i want you guys all to check it out if you want to elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank then join the movement and get 15 15 15 off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash jtrin that's emma's and mary m v m t dot com slash J train for fifteen percent off today. Again, that's MVMT dot com slash J train. J train podcast at gmail.com. J train podcast at gmail.com. 
Let's do another email, then we'll do a screenshot email. Does that sound okay? Oh, yeah, Ross let's do Bolin? it. Let's do At it. At WR Bolin, Twitter and Instagram. Go follow, go follow, go follow right now. The Ross Bolin Podcast, Monday and Thursday. Add it to your Rolodex, people. Let's go. Am I a bad person for not saying I don't want kids in my profile? Jared, love the podcast. I've been a listener since 2018 after a friend recommended it. Recently, a matchmaker made a post on their IG saying that all people who don't want children should put in their dating profile. Well, I do mark no kids wanted on dating apps when they give you the option. Bumble is an example that will ask you to mark it on your profile. I don't use any of my prompt writing space to clarify that I don't want children. I don't do this because I'm 24 and not even looking for a quote unquote serious relationship right now. And two, I have had bad reactions about child free, uh, about being child free from people in the past. And I don't see... uh, the use in telling people that I don't see a future with. I just want to date casually, and when it comes up, it comes up. Well, the matchmaker posed a question on their caption, so I decided to comment and share my thoughts. Over the next couple of hours, I was replied to by both the matchmaker and their followers, implying that I am too immature to date and shouldn't be on dating apps if I'm not serious enough about it. I mean, of course I'm not serious. I'm 24, but my question is, am I making a mistake to not reveal all my long-term hopes and dreams, like being child-free long-term in my profile? It seems excessive, but I'm curious as to your take. Thanks for reading. Can't wait to hear your thoughts, Ross Bolin. Holy what do you shit. Think? No, you don't have to put that in your dating profile. Are you fucking kidding me? This is the stupidest take. Whoever said that is a jackass. People don't know. <laughs> People have well, no clue what they what want. Also, for this person, what a well-written email. Like, listen, I read through a lot of garbage on this podcast. You pose this question in a very... Uh, wouldn't you say... Didn't this sound like an email that was just very, like... Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like I, I kind of like appreciate the openness to have the discussion. I, I, I do appreciate that, right? No, absolutely. The more uh, forward-facing and upfront you can be, the easier it is to get advice on on yeah. your situation. Frankly, too. But you're there's no way that they. I, I, I agree with. I don't listen. I understand the thought. I don't understand what they're the the reason. Like here's here's the thing about dating apps. You, I think what she wrote, Bumble's an example, will let you mark it on their profile. Okay, you mark it there. Fine. If that's something you want to mark, if that's something you want to make sure, beware. Here's the thing. To everything in life, there are pros and there are cons. The pros of putting it on your, on your dating app profile is, okay, someone who's super serious now knows this information and knows to stay away from you. Yeah, but... the, the the cons of having it on your profile is you're giving people information with which they don't deserve the information. They've done nothing to gain that confidence in you. Just because you're attracted enough to each other to swipe right on each other, you're going to give away something like that that someone can use to their dating advantage to now take advantage of you. Oh, you're someone who doesn't want kids. That means you want to be just casual. That means we can just have sex. That means I can treat you without the respectability. And I'm not saying everyone's going to do this. I'm not saying everyone's a predator. But there are these people out there that use this. I think these dating apps give people too much information sometimes it's about sparking an interest not making sure that you're together and here's the other negative about putting it on your profile um or here's the other thing if she doesn't want to put it on her profile she has to deal with consequences of getting to know someone liking them enough and maybe having that relationship end 
because they find out that they don't want to have kids. Like, that is a consequence she is signing up for. And, again, the idea that you can protect yourself to to never get hurt by the ills of the world or the or from heartbreak generally is just not a way to go through life that uh, to me when you're like i don't want uh, i don't want kids it has to be on your profile what you're doing is putting on a suit of armor to try and protect yourself from heartbreak and that just can't happen and that actually ruins you from meeting people but go on Russell. I, dude, you're, up a you're, lot of time. you're absolutely right though dude you just hit the nail on the head um i understand the human tendency to want to put on the suit of armor and to put in these uh safeguards to keep you from getting into that place that you just described where let's say now that she doesn't have an interdating profile hypothetically she gets a year and a half down the line with this guy mm-hmm. and she tells him hey by the way i don't want to have kids and he says oh fuck i do this doesn't work and they break up well that's the normal way it would go right that's yeah. the natural order of things if you will totally. internet the social media game has changed all that completely but the thing that immediately pops into my head with this person telling a telling this girl she has to put that in her dating profile is like if you're going to go to that length then you, you might as well tell me I have to put my entire medical records up there. Yeah, it, it's not, and 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 I, again, that's, I I I'm not one for slippery slope arguments, but you could even go backwards from medical records and say, do I have to put that I know exactly that anyone I match with, I will have sex with them and want to be in a relationship? Yeah, like, like what the hell? That's the thing. Like like where does the where does the taste come in? Where does the personal, you know, putting yourself... It just doesn't... Again, it, it is taking away adulthood from you. Difficult conversations. This woman knows she doesn't want to have kids. Hey, let's say this guy... Ta- like, th- let's say a guy takes you on a first date. You have a great time. You become... Emo- he has earned emotional security with you to reveal this information. That is, like, what you're looking for out of these dating apps whether it works out or not you know he can take that information choose to be with you or not right like that's that's the whole thing like i think a lot of people are trying to get ahead of breakups and that's just never gonna help yeah look it's on some black mirror shit man it's like trying to plug the gaps of like figuring out a way to make technology take care of a lot of the things that our emotions and human interactions used to have to take care of and it doesn't work (laughs) it's not replaceable the it, to you know to argue i would say these apps these dating apps were created by people with not a lot of social skills they Probably. were created as a no definitely look at like mark zuckerberg doesn't look like he was going out and just meeting a bunch of chicks at a frat party every weekend no, no. it was social media these things were created by people and and dating apps were created by people who don't have a lot of social ability and needed something to like kind of inject that into their veins and the problem is people with real social abilities use them too mm-hmm. so and it's like and so those people do take advantage of it and that's where people get hurt and they want to get information ahead of time so i understand where it comes from but i'm gonna encourage this person don't take you know you are not too immature to use the app because you put no, not at know, all. That, ga- that in your profile. And gaming the system almost never works. It's like, it's, it's, that's just, it's hard, man. And that's what dating apps are trying to do. You're trying to game the system with stuff like that anyway. If you're talking about like, please put whether or not you'd like children. It's like, you're skipping sure. a lot of fucking steps before that conversation would have taken place. Please put if you're going to make me split the date before we go on the date. Yeah, like, there you I, go. I don't know. Like, I, I, <laughs> that is something to assess your taste with. Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. Here with Ross Bowen, the Ross Bowen Podcast, every Monday and Thursday. 
WR Bolin on Twitter and Instagram. Go follow, go follow, go follow. I'll have all of that stuff on my social media. Let's do one more. Is that cool? Yes, sir. One more. Let's do it. Okay. Can I salvage this fuck boy? This fuck buddy. I'm sorry. That's oh, a big oh. difference. Can I salvage this fuck buddy? Okay. Backstory. I was single for about two years, relocated for work during the pandemic, and decided to start dating again during COVID. Some boredom, but I'm trying to be a little serious about it. Over the last eight months, I've met plenty of guys and gone on plenty of first dates, some second dates, but no, no one that blew me away. Match with a guy on Bumble, and it's pretty uh, erratic off the bat because he deletes the app three times over the course of three weeks. That's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. I've always thought it should say how many times you've deleted the app on the app so that people know what they're dealing with. Like, you've deleted it 700 times? Okay, I'm going to move on. It feels like you're not too sure about this whole dating thing. Like, I I think that should be on there. Spot on. (laughs) Yeah, so deleted... Three times over three weeks when we and I always say like I I, I used to do a bit about this where it's like that moment you delete the app is a very confident moment. And then the moment where you redownload it is your least confident moment. You're just like, I don't know. I guess I'm going back. It's the same as masturbating, dude. When you when you start, you you get back to watching porn. It's exciting. You're like, all right, let's go. And the second you've come, you're like, I'm scum. What is wrong with me? Okay, well, when we get to the texting phase, it's amazing. We truly, truly hit it off, and it doesn't hurt that he's super hot. It's pretty magnetic, hot and fun via text, and we have to uh, we have to meet immediately, and it's just via text, and when we, and we have to meet immediately, and it's just as intense. We both know and admit that it's the best chem- chemistry, deep connection, euphoria we've had in years. Euphoria? I mean, come on. However, I know 100,000% he's not someone I want to date for various reasons, uh, various serious reasons. He's selfish and a coward. He's very insecure, so I obviously don't want to say that uh, any of that to him, but I definitely want the D and want the fun and intensity that we have been having for about a week. Try to, uh, try to make plans with him over the weekend, and he's immediately in for one Friday hang. But then I bring up Saturday, Sunday, and he doesn't even respond at all. Very unusual. He usually texts me all day and all night. I can read him very easily. So here are the attached screenshots from when I reach out the next day. Please bleep and blur name. Question is, can I salvage this fuck buddy selfishly for myself? Sounds like he's really got ahead of himself. I just want to hook up a little more. I know it would end, but I didn't think it would end that fast. Sincerely want the D. Okay, so this is, again... I'm going to like redo this email a little bit. Uh-huh. It seems like they met on a, they met on a dating app, instant chemistry. They've, it seems as though they've hooked up, even though she doesn't really say that, but she doesn't, she knows he's not someone for her, but she wants to hook up. Okay. Right. So we'll, let's read the text. Oh, these are, okay. You got them. These are magical. Yeah. Okay, ready? We're gonna go through them all. Uh-huh. I'll I'm be ready. her, you be I'll be her, you be him, okay? Okay. She's the blue. Okay. What what the fuck happened to blah blah blah? His name. Good morning. <laughs> Burn flying too close to the moon? That mono had you drop off the face of my earth. Just lost in my head. You know I see through that. How so? You're full of shit. You know that? I know that. It's okay. And then later that day, are you all right? 
And she has one more. This isn't really. Oh, are you alright? Serving no, me. No, this isn't really. This isn't really serving me anymore. So I would like to blow this up now, please. And then do we just go on to the next page? And she's still ranting, and he hasn't responded yet. Well, you you got to respond if that's what you want. Oh, here we are. Okay, yeah. These are in the wrong order. If that's what you want, sorry. You did a complete 180. Anything else? I guess not. I, I don't think you are strong enough right now to know why, although, of course, I can provide that to you out of respect. The only thing I want to mention is that this isn't me abandoning you. This isn't about me at all. I don't want you to pretend to remove all responsibility from yourself with your above. Where the fuck am I now? This is like reading a script from a... Uh, with you. Oh, here we go. Uh, I certainly didn't want to be disrespectful or upset you in any way. When I don't know what to say, I don't say anything. I didn't mean to be immature. I don't have any expectations of you. The only one there was was set by you. You set the expectations of clear, consistent communication, then completely withdrew. So, of course, that, uh, that I was go not going to be happy with that. So, of course, that I was go not going to be happy with that. I guess my only expectation aside from that was wanting to get to know each other, having as much easy fun as we had, intense sex, and leaning into that intensity, which all seems to be scary to you now. But I thought we... Um, uh, let's see where, but I thought we, uh, I'm just going to jump to the, to the, I think this is the one I have it read, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That says, uh, uh, you're absolutely right. Oh, you're absolutely right. I scared myself. It wasn't bullshit when I said I get stuck uh, in my she head. She writes, uh, yeah, but I thought we were on the same page. Okay, now you go. Okay, now, well, you're absolutely right. I scared myself. It wasn't bullshit when I said I get stuck in my head. We have known each other a week. I truly don't think there were expectations. Thank you for admitting your fear and accepting responsibility at least. Uh-huh. Okay. This, this was the more, it was, it was a very, very, very complicated version of we've only known each other for a week. I don't think either one of us knows what we want yet, perhaps. Or this dude went too deep on the texting day three, four, five, and then realized like, holy shit, I need to stop texting all day, every day. This is a bad precedent to set. Yeah, I, I can we reread it and and maybe we'll let's reread this because yeah, yeah. I, we want to make this into a video and this is just blown up. I'm trying to see the order. February 11th at 732. Then it's 1726. Then that's where it gets a little confusing because the well, because it goes it should go. Okay, so it goes one, three, two, four, four five. five. Yeah. Okay, let's start again. Okay, got you. We're gonna read these. I'll I'll cut it up afterwards. Let's read it. It goes one, three, two, four, five. Let's read the text. Got you. What the fuck happened, blank? Good morning. I like that he starts out with like, oh, good morning. Like he <laughs> knows she's mad. Okay. Yes. Burn flying too close to the moon? That mono had you drop off the face of my earth. Just lost in my head. You know I see through that. How do? So? You're full of shit. You know that? I know that. It's okay. Then he doesn't answer. And then she writes, are you all right? This isn't really serving me anymore, so I would like to blow this up now, please. If that's what you want. 
You did a complete 180. Anything else? I guess not. I, do, I don't think you are strong enough right now to know why, although, of course, I can provide that to you out of respect. The only thing I want to mention is that this isn't me abandoning you. This isn't about me at all. I don't want you to pretend to remove all responsibility from yourself with your above... Um, with your above comment. And no, that's not what I wanted. But I don't feel you gave me a choice. I have no regrets. I'm not ashamed of any of my behaviors. And I have been pretty real throughout. Though I, though I would not say the same about you. Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. She wrote in, can I salvage this fuck? But no, you are, you're over this. This will never amount to your expectations. And that's okay. It seems like they had sex for a week. They had a good time, and then he disappeared. And she's like, we went from texting every day to nothing at all, so this guy must be fucking deserting me. Now I want him to know that I've caught him. It's over. And then she's saying, well, how do I get him back? The sex is great. No, no, yeah. no, no. Sex needs illusion. Sex needs sex and passion and, and being with someone who you don't really know that you met it after a week. It needs illusion. It needs you thinking that he's all fun and, and great and there's some sort of maybe future. It needs, he needs you thinking, oh, uh, he needs to believe that you think, oh, this is casual. We're just having sex. This became real. He ran away. You are looking to get angry at him for, for it not being what we all expected or what we could have thought it to be. And because it's good sex, I'm not blaming her, but I'm saying they're both kind of sitting here being like, kind of poking around the dead body. But go on. What is he I, right back? I can appreciate this dude's response here. Because like you said, this is definitely her poking around. She's poking a dead body, seeing what will yes. happen. And he says, listen, I really enjoyed hanging with you. I don't want this to be a bad thing. We've barely known each other a week. I just don't know what your expectations of me are. And I feel like there's 100% chance that I'm going to disappoint you. My life is not where I want it right now and didn't expect this to be so intense. So it sounds like he probably went into it thinking like, oh, whatever, this is really casual. And then she got hooked on the magic stick and he's trying to pull the ejector switch and she's like, hold on now, S sit down and let me hit that thing one more time. And, and it, listen, this is what happens when it goes zero to 60. Like I, and I'm not blaming her. Like That does suck to have someone kind of bail and to like be so intense with someone and then have them go to like literally to zero. What I will say to her is you have to communicate where your head's at before you start telling someone how horrible a person they are. And I'm not saying you're wrong for your feelings. I am saying there's a better way to come at someone where you go like if she had been like, Hey, I'm feeling you pull back. Uh, can you talk to me about it? And then he doesn't talk to her. Hey, can you at least do me the favor of, uh, of having a conversation with me? We, it's been a week, but we've, we spent a lot of hours together and also we've been naked together. Like, I'd like to talk to you. Yeah. Like, like, like there, there's a middle ground on this that isn't being used, but I, I, so let's go to the next text. I'll read it. So he, he kept going. Oh yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I certainly didn't want to be disrespectful or upset you in any way. When I don't know what to say, I don't say anything. I didn't mean to be immature. Yeah, he's bullshitting there. He's bullshitting. Like, I, you know, that line is from, uh, like, a fucking uh, Hallmark movie. When I didn't know 
when I don't know what to say, I don't say anything at all. Like, no, come on, Sarah McLaughlin, that's crazy. But that makes her even more angry. I don't have any expectations of you. The only one there was set by you. You set the expectations of clear, consistent communication. Well, you've known each other a week. How could he set that? And then completely withdrew. So, of course, that I was not going to be happy with that. I guess my only expectation aside from that was wanting to get to know each other, having as much easy fun as we had, intense sex and leaning into that intensity, which all seems to be scary to you now. But I thought we um, were on the same page. Well, you're absolutely right. I scared myself. It wasn't bullshit when I said I get stuck in my head. We have known each other a week. I truly don't think there were expectations. Thank you for admitting your fear and accepting responsibility at least. Yeah, so the thing about this that's really concerning is that she ends this five-page text back and forth email situation with her own answer, which is we have known each other a week. I truly didn't think there were expectations. Thank you for admitting your fear and accepting responsibility at least. And here's the thing I'll throw out for, for the females that are listening and wondering, like, what the fuck should she have done differently? Guys have no idea what they're doing in terms of expectations at the beginning of relationships. I'll give you an example. My ex-wife, I took her on our first date to one of the most expensive restaurants in the city. And like Mm. the next week, it occurred to me that that was one of the stupidest things I had ever done because I really, really liked her. And now I was going to have to stay at that that bar. And where so, you? Where are you going at Valentine's Day? Where are you going for the anniversary? Where are you going? Yeah, you're done. And and that's what happens if you meet somebody and you become really infatuated with them to the point that you're trying to stay connected 24 hours a day, seven days a week, texting, texting, texting nonstop. And then one of you realizes, like, wait a minute, we may have gone a little too fast here, and pulls back. Like you've already set the bar, and now she's she, confused and upset and frustrated. Well, she also says, um, "I truly didn't think didn't think there were expectations." You're getting mad at him for expect for not living up to your expectations while saying there were no expectations. Yeah, it's a very confusing. So so it's very confusing. So that's not to say she's wrong for feeling upset. You can feel upset, but you can't accuse someone of not living up for expectations when there were no expectations. That's just and you have to I think you have to come at him a little bit differently if you're going to say to someone, "Hey, you have to be a little bit more vulnerable. Hey, I like the sex. I like your company. It disappointed me that you just disappeared after a week. What do we do now? Yeah, man. Do, do you, if I'm going to have sex with someone, and I know because we did that whole week, it seems like I'll just have sex with you, know, with you at any time. That's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is for someone who is going to be uh, in a fuck buddy situation that is going to be open with me. And that's the problem with labels. You call it a fuck buddy and you're like, well, in your mind, fuck you buddy know what means that once means. a week. In their mind, fuck buddy means I call you when I call you. And that's what's getting, that's where we're getting anger here, where anger gets us nowhere. And you know, like you said, man, that the, that the thing that's really difficult for people is to be upfront and be very truthful and authentic with each other. And just like, if you would just, so many of us, our relationship problems and stuff like this, it's like, just say what you're trying to say. You went through so much anger and frustrated texting before you got to what really should have been a one text conversation where you should have said, hey, I know we didn't really have any expectations and we've only known each other a week, but I'm disappointed with the way things have turned. I thought we had something kind of cool. Yeah, it's a renegotiation at that point. Hey, I'm I I I'd like to see hear from you a little bit more. I can't sleep with you if I'm not getting kind of the other stuff. I'm not saying we have to text every day, but it feels like you've gone into no effort mode. That hurts me. That's a different conversation yes. than 
you better start thinking about what you're doing with your and I don't and I gotta you know it just didn't it didn't work it doesn't and translate so that, properly and for that reason he is out he is shark tanking you he is pushing away from the table he's going oh this is way more than I want to deal with that's why you can't get back to this whole fuck buddy yeah. you know uh, imaginary scenario exactly podcast right. at gmail.com podcast at gmail.com Ross Bowen this is fantastic thank you so much for coming on dude thank you so much for having me it's uh, it's been too long I'm glad we finally got it done and looking forward to having you on uh, on my show very soon absolutely thank you so much at wr bolin the ross bolin podcast monday and thursdays shelby thank you for playing the ones and twos fantastic per usual thank you at classic shelb on twitter and instagram i'm jared free we're here mondays and thursdays we'll be back next week boom check out the special